There's a whole firestorm about TikTok in our country. And then there's roasting on YouTube. They've promoted a very vitriolic sort of roasting. There's two main things for YouTube. One is consistency. And the other one is the click-through rate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Science Journal Podcast. This time, I'm in conversation with Ali Raza, a YouTube and Instagram content creator from Pakistan. Ali Raza, welcome to the Science Journal Podcast. Thank you for being with us here today. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for having me, man. I know you. We both study in Education City. But if you would give our listeners a small background, I think that would be great. For sure. So I'm a senior now in Carnegie Mellon University. I'm doing undergrads in business administration. I'm in class of 2023. But yeah, that that is it. Great. Small. Thank you so much. Yeah. But I also understand that you're a very successful YouTuber. You recently touched 70,000 subscribers. Congratulations on that. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Ali, I like us um, to go back to time. Can you tell me when did you start creating vlogs? Like how did it start? What did it look like for you? And what was your principal inspiration behind it? Yeah, so my YouTube journey started back in 2019. So I used to watch vlogs and YouTube videos since my childhood. I'd been following a lot of YouTubers like David Dubrick and Mr. Beast, but they're up the level. But back in Pakistan, we have some famous vloggers like Shabir Jafri and stuff. They make like daily vlogs when they're targeting mainly on the youth, the, un- the upcoming generation, the Gen Z of Pakistan. I was always interested in watching those vlogs. And one day I was like, okay, um, maybe I can try something. This was back in 2018. I was like, okay, I can do something. But I was so hesitant at first because the culture in Pakistan sometimes um, gives you backlash and stuff. And I used to read the hate comments like other bloggers in Pakistan used to get as well. So it's scary. But I got into Qatar. I went to Qatar in my uni and then suddenly COVID hit. There was a pandemic and everything went online. So I was supposed to come back to my country, Pakistan. I came back and online classes, I used to take them on my bed and my pajamas and all of that. There was nothing to do. There was like, we had to quarantine. We we were in like like strict lockdown because I live in like the main capital city and they were really strict in this specific area. I had to stay back home for a month. And at that point I was like, okay, this is the perfect time. I'm in uni as well. My friends were supporting me at that time. I got free time as well. There was nothing to do. So, except my studies, of course. I, I did study though. <laughs> but yeah, so in pandemic, I got the idea, okay, let's give it a shot. Let's give it a try. So I asked my friends if I should start and everyone was supportive. I asked my parents, my family, everyone. And they're like, okay, you, sh- you can give it a try, but don't be much focused on it. Just give it a shot. If it goes well, okay. Then I posted my first YouTube video in Feb, I think it was my spring semester, my freshman spring semester. And then that video got um, a thousand views in a day. And like a thousand views at that time were like a big thing. Like a thousand people watching you in your first vlog. And then I was going through comments and like I got a lot of love and respect. So that that day just gave me some, that, that boosted my morale and everything. I was like, okay, so let's, let's give it a try again. And then I posted a vlog the next, the next week, I think I started posting it every week and the views started getting better from the start. Everyone says you get the downfall as well. So after a month, I got a downfall. Like my views got back to 800, 500, whereas the rest of the initial videos got like good pump, like around 2000 views. So I got a bit demotivated. I think I even stopped YouTubing for two months back then. But in summers, 
one of my vlog, um, it was a vlog I made on a wedding. It popped out. I got 40,000 views in seven days. And that thing was like, oh my God, 40,000 views. And at that time I had like only 2,500 subscribers. But yeah, that was my journey. And then since then, it has been going up, Alhamdulillah. And now recently I touched 70,000. On my road to 100K, inshallah, very soon. But yes, let's see how it goes. Our prayers are with you, Ali. Inshallah, that will be reality soon. And it's really interesting you talk about the pandemic because our podcast also started during the pandemic when uh, everything... Pandemic makes it makes us do weird things. Yeah, it was certainly a very surreal time. Um, yeah. Ali, with you, I wanted to talk a bit about science of social media. And lots of people want to get into the space where you're very successful, into the social media space and into YouTubing. Why do you think you were successful when many others have failed? What do you think was the extra X factor that got you through? I think the main thing was consistency. There's like an algorithm you have to follow on YouTube. At first, I was one of the reasons for my downfall, like the lower views I used to get was me being not consistent and me making like big vlogs, like long vlogs, like 40 minutes, 50 minutes. Um, that thing got me thinking, okay, so... So I have a friend, he's also a YouTuber. He has been doing it since the past three years. Now he has, mashallah, 400,000 subscribers. Um, he's very famous. So I contacted him and I told him that um, I'm demotivated. I don't know what to do now. I'm, I'm not getting views and stuff. I need to get those 1,000 subscribers for my monetization. What do I do? And he just um, told me there's two main things for YouTube. One is consistency. And the other one is the click through rate, like people click on your YouTube thing. So basically the thumbnail, the picture you get on YouTube, that should be popping so that people click on it and then people watch your blog. So focus mainly on your thumbnails and then focus on consistency. So for me, um, it was me being consistent because I then got my summer vacations. I had three, three months. I was like, okay, I can try pushing two blogs a week in summers. Let's see how it goes. And then at that time, I started posting two vlogs a week. In summers, I think I posted like 40, 40 45 videos, yes. two vlogs a week. And that was my peak factor. That's when my, my thing got popped up on YouTube. On every other video, I used to get 80,000 views. And that, that was a huge event back then, so like 80,000, 70,000. And then I think summers, being consistent was the peak for me. And that's how I popped out on YouTube. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Those are some very great insights. Thank you so yeah. much for. I want uh, to talk a bit more about some other content creators who might try a bit too hard. So, there, there's a whole firestorm about TikTok on in our country in Pakistan, and then there's also roasting on YouTube. Ducky Bai, who's probably one of the most famous YouTubers in the country, you know they've sort of they've promoted a very vitriolic sort of roasting. Do you think this is a positive trend? The the, the sort of chase for fame do you think it's positive that people try to get fame with whatever means necessary no i'm totally against the recently did you hear about the incident like where this girl on tiktok she put a fire up in margala hills just to make a tiktok where the song had some fire thing in it so such kind of negativity disappointed in the paki community as well i don't know why such people especially on tiktok get viral whereas we as youtubers have to do so much for it. a tiktok video takes up to 30 seconds of you to make a video and then they, half of the time they're going viral they have like million views and for us we're making videos since i have to make ideas that takes one to two hours and then i have to spend on my vlogs as well 
and then I have to edit it and then make thumbnails and gather all people around. It takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of things. And then at the, end of, at the end of the day, you're getting like what? Like a 150, 160K views. It's nothing like we get disappointed. We as a YouTubers, we put so much efforts in our vlogs. And then whereas people who are just coming on TikTok, they're getting wet and stuff. And they're getting more views and all of that. So it's, and that too, like on very weird things. The TikTok community of Pakistan, man, like they, they do weird stuff, man. One puts the fire up on. The, the other day I was watching a TikTok. The guy was like, okay, I'm going to go uh, run a railway station and then try to hide under the train or something. Like that. They're, they're doing weird stuff. And then a lot of deaths were caused as well while people making TikToks. Such content, I'm really disappointed. And it, it does not bring positivity. I feel like it's, it's all negative. A lot of people are watching them and they get influenced and then they do the same stuff. And then, yeah, TikTok is weird, man. Mm-hmm. I'm on TikTok as well, though. So. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, my stuff is different. I just post my YouTube things. It's a good platform to work on, though. You get a lot of followers. Through TikTok, I got a lot of followers on Instagram. But it depends on the content you make. Yeah, that that's what I think. Yeah, now you have a view on TikTok, I can see that. But do you believe in censorship as a content creator? You talked about, you know, freshers within the family when you started creating content, putting yourself out there. And then there's some government pressure in Pakistan as well. There's a lot of regulation and lots of red tape as well. So as a content creator, what is your take on censorship? On censorship, like half of the vloggers, like the famous ones in Pakistan, they got famous because of the stuff they say, just such as Takibai, he sometimes uses such um, curse words and stuff. So we have like different audience in Pakistan. Some of them do want to watch that Takibai Wala stuff. Okay, they, they do support such stuff. They enjoy watching it. But for me, we're known as the family content creators. So we can't, we have to make our video censors, censored. We have to make it PG-18. We can't curse, we can't bring in like fiery stuff or something which because my specifically the vlogs I make my YouTube insights says like my demographics are 16 to 24 so it's for me that they're watching my vlogs so I have to make content for them so our vlogs are censored we don't support we don't support such stuff it's all family content because my own family is watching it um the other day I got a um, text from my fan on Instagram and she sent me a video of her grandparent watching my vlogs. So, you know, like such big, like old people are watching it as well. And knowing it's family content, they wouldn't watch Taki Bai with family. Okay, they, they watch it. But even I watch Taki Bai by putting a lock in my room, keeping my volume low so that no one hears. But our content is family, you know, you know it's fully censored. So we, you can watch it with family and stuff. But yeah, that's pretty much and Ali, you were telling me that you have a presence on TikTok, you have a presence on Instagram as well, and then obviously you're a YouTuber. So I want to know, how do you create synergy between your content across platforms? How do you make it all go together? Okay, I have the same audience on Instagram, which they're watching on YouTube. So I got my Instagram followers from YouTube. And for me, I feel like Instagram pays an influencer better than YouTube. So I get more sponsors on Instagram. So I have to work on Instagram as well. So right now I'm a YouTuber plus I'm an Instagrammer as well because they're both paying me well. That They both have good audience people. TikTok as well. TikTok doesn't pay you, but TikTok brings you audience. So these three are the only platforms I work on. So for me, I've made specific days 
of my week to post on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. I post one blog uh, a week on YouTube and I post two posts on Instagram every week. And then for me, I post a video on Instagram as well, like a short YouTube clip or something that pops up on Instagram. So I have the same audience on Instagram from YouTube though, but I feel like Instagram plays an important role in my success as well. It pays me, it gets me sponsors and stuff. I have to balance out uh, my week on YouTube, Instagram, and sometimes on TikTok. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rashid, thank you for, for that very insightful comment. Um, I had a question about your experience in Qatar. How has Qatar affected the content that you create? Uh, and generally, the content that you create, is it like grounded in a very Pakistani sort of milieu and a social environment that is very relevant to Pakistan? Or are you now trying to branch out, create more internationalized content? What is your strategy for creating content? So this is a really good question. Um, so I, I got stuck in Pakistan for one point five, one and a half year when COVID was here. When I left for Qatar, I had around 40,000 subscribers. So I was confused. I'm going to Qatar. I don't know if my audience is going to like the content I make in Qatar. Should I make content in Qatar or not? That was, those were the weird um, questions that keep popping up in my mind. But when I went there, I posted a travel vlog from Pakistan to Qatar and it got a 150K views in, in a week or two. So I was like, okay, people are liking me traveling from Pakistan to Qatar. Let's give it a try by showing them what Qatar looks like. And then I posted a vlog in Qatar showing my dorms where I live. I showed around my room. I showed them how it works, the cafeteria and the people around me and all of that. And they loved that vlog as well. I got a lot of views on my room tour as well. I gave them a room tour of my dorms and how the dorms are. They're like very, it's like a five-star hotel or something. So we're loving it. So they loved it as well. And they're like, oh, okay, we love it. We need more Qatar content. But at that time, I gave it a thought, okay. At the same time, I was getting complaints from my international friends in Qatar as well. They were like, okay, you're always making vlogs. Like you made two vlogs in Qatar, but they're all in Urdu. They're in my national language. So they can't understand it. Can you try making it in English? I gave it a thought, but at the same time, I knew that the 40,000 audience I had when I came to Pakistan, they were Pakistani and they would prefer Urdu over English. What if I lose my Urdu audience? Uh, when I, if I start making English vlogs and do people actually, do actually Qatari people watch the Qatar born people like do they watch vlog and stuff. And then I searched upon it and they don't usually watch it. Like the community, the YouTube community isn't very, isn't very attractive as it is in Pakistan, in Qatar. So I was like, okay, making an English might give me a bit of backlash and like people might not watch it. Like the people I had, the audience, the 40 million subscribers I had in Pakistan, they might not watch it. So I'll just keep watching it. I'll just keep making it in English, uh, in Urdu. So I kept making vlogs for six months until my summers and all of them had like good amount of views. I got good subscribers as well. So yeah, that was it. I made vlogs in Urdu. I didn't think of making it international, focusing on other demographics. I kept my focus on Pakistani 18 to 24 demographics. Mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, now I realize how serious these sort of questions are when you're thinking, hey, what language do I create my content in? Yeah. Right? Those are make or break questions for our content. Yeah, they are. They are, man. We have to think a lot about our videos. And talking about the censorship, we have to think a lot about making content, especially if you're making content in public. 
there are people who are not comfortable coming in your vlog. So even if we're going out in a public place or like reviewing a restaurant or something, we have to email them first. We have to make a reservation. We have to talk to the manager, ask them if it's okay to shoot them. And then we have to ask for permissions if we can visit the kitchen. There's a lot of stuff you have to think. And then it, it takes a lot of cost as well and a lot of hard work. Like in Pakistan now, it's 40 degree. It, the heat waves are coming and people don't usually go out and stuff. But for us, you have to make content, you have to make a video. Um, even two days ago, after we started making a vlog at 2 p.m. In, in this heat in Islamabad. And then we ended up, one of my friends ended up kind of fainting. It was too hot. He was sweating and all, but we had to do it for a vlog. So yeah, that, that's what we do for our content. You have to push and then whereas look at TikTok in, in the room under the AC, you're just dancing, la la la, and Kalas are getting like a million views. Okay. That's, that's quite funny, honestly. Yeah. So I just wanted to ask you, has your business administration degree from Carnegie Mellon, has it helped you elevate your brand in any way? Has it complemented your work? Not specifically my degree, but there was this one course I took in in my sophomore year, I think it was social media management. It didn't like directly help me, but it gave me the insights of how social media marketing works, how to promote stuff on Instagram, on different social media platforms. So that was, I think the only course that helped me in my YouTube thing. People nowadays, like the people I know in Qatar, they're like, okay, you weren't supposed to come to CMU, man. You should go to Northwestern stuff. They have those cool cameras and they're teaching you how to make content and stuff, filming and all. Yeah, now I think, okay, the senior year, if I got, if my YouTube thing got popped up back in my freshman or sophomore year, I would have transferred to Northwestern and then make it help grow better by using such professional cameras and stuff. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Thank you for all those insights. So Ali, you're an ambassador of Education City. So what is next for you in your uh, professional journey as a content creator and also in your professional journey as a business student? However you wish to answer this question. So I'm graduating this May, like in a year. For YouTube, I want to pursue it for at least, um, I'd say, three to five more years. For now, I'm aiming to be one of the top YouTubers of Pakistan, inshallah. I want to have that label where it's the best blogger of Pakistan with my, of course, with my colleagues and all the people I make vlog with, like we have like a group. So we're really motivated. We're, we're very hardworking. We've got a lot of effort. So we want to pursue it for at least three to five years until we cross that benchmark of the YouTuber of Pakistan. So we're working on that, inshallah. After my undergrads, I might apply for some jobs in Qatar or maybe somewhere else, but I will keep doing my YouTube thing side by side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those, are, those are great aspirations and I wish you all the best in them. Ali Reza, thank you for your time today for the Science Student Podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Science Journal Podcast. Don't forget to visit our website sciencejournalqa.com and follow us on Instagram at sciencejournal.qa. This episode of Science Journal was produced by Professor Anton Mosin and his research assistants Shaheed Lakat and Asmal Akib. It was edited by Shaheed Lakat and Asmal Akib and artwork by Iman Bo. Our music is from Epidemic Sounds. Mm -hmm.